a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to this edition of The Hub on CGTN and Mongguan in Beijing. The aftermath of the earthquake hitting Turkey and Syria continues. Shock, disbelief and devastation. What is the latest situation on the ground? How is the Western sanctions complicating the relief and rescue work in Syria? And how is China helping? My guest today is His Excellency Mr. Mohammed Hadam, the Syrian ambassador to China. His Excellency Ambassador Mohammed Hadam, thank you so much for this opportunity. I know you must have had a very hectic schedule. First of all, on behalf of our team, um, maybe on behalf of CGTN2, our deepest sympathies and condolences. Mr. Wang, thank you very much. Welcome to you and to your team and to CGTN for its interest in coverage Syria, the balanced coverage of Syria. And thank you for condolences and soothing words. Of course, this is the least uh, we can do. Um, first of all, can you tell us the latest situation on the ground? Because last time we checked the casualties, the injured people, the number of them are soaring. You know, uh, it's a widespread earthquake. The government mobilized all the uh, resources it has, whether governmental, private, uh, social organizations, social organizations. And, but the destruction is, in fact, is devastating. It's a calamity, full calamity. It says 7.7 uh, degree on Richter scale. So you can expect that it's catastrophic. The number of deaths now, this is the people who, uh, until now, they uh, removed from under the rubble. Of course, there are a lot of people uh, that might be wounded. They are still under the rubble, waiting for to be rescued and saved. We, what adds to the situation is that we, have, uh, we had very severe weather. In fact, the earthquake happened at 4 in the morning. I received call from friends there. It was raining outside. We had a polar wave. Uh, degrees were in the minus, either raining or snowing. And the people uh, moved from their bedrooms. Uh, it was a very severe situation until now. Uh, of course, the casualties will be, uh, the more you explore, the more the, the casualties will rise. Uh, the people who pass away, of course, you do them their final service, but the people who are surviving, uh, how to offer them shelter, to offer them medication, to offer them food. It's a very tough task for the government. The government, the pre present Assad on uh, the morning of the day of the catastrophe, met with the emergency meeting with the cabinet, and they allocated every ministry with uh, its own tasks. Uh, of course, uh, the full mobility, whether it is from the government and from the the people, I mean, in the cities that are all involved. Syria, uh, the situation is not easy because Syria has been, you know, uh, the situation of the, the war. That really leads to my next question, Mr. Ambassador. We know that Syria has been suffering from this civil war. Part of the country, also part of the areas that's affected by the earthquake, was controlled either by the extremists or by Western forces. Uh, how much more of a challenge does, does that bring to the rescue and relief efforts there? You know, given that uh, the war situation and uh, uh, economic, uh, financial, uh, unilateral, illegal, unilateral, inhumane Western sanctions imposed on Syria, at the same time when uh, the US uh, is imposing and with its Western allies imposing uh, almost a blockade around Syria, it's still its uh, occupation forces stealing uh, our oil, our natural resources, 
and the, the terrorists they support, they are uh, isolated in, uh, uh, in some corner of Syria, which is now uh, hit. Of course, all Syrians are Syrian people in the eyes of the government, and they are all our people. And we, uh, the government will do all its, it can to serve them all without, you know, whether you are with the government or not. We don't have this politically biased uh, perception. Western out, uh, outlets, uh, they're talking about, uh, they're featuring some vloggers from the opposition-controlled areas. Yeah, only. For us, uh, you know, they're apparently in their humanitarian perception or evaluation, either you are with us or with, you are an enemy. And this still, uh, the best example of this is what's going on in Syria. Of course, uh, I must mention that we received very deep condolences from the Chinese leadership, from His Excellency the President, His Excellency the Foreign Minister, and uh, we uh, follow with uh, our friends at the Foreign Ministry and the Chinese humanitarian organization, whether it's the Red Cross, the uh, SITCA, other uh, humanitarian non-profit organizations that, in fact, today there will be uh, a team that will move to Syria with their tools. Uh, a Chinese team yeah, going Chinese. into Syria, yeah. and you're working with them yeah. when it comes to expedition of visa and travel we'll and logistics. We'll do all we can to facilitate their uh, visit. I want to mention Syria uh, issued an appeal to the international community uh, asking assistance to help uh, uh, live with this calamity. Uh, we highly appreciate Chinese assistance. And, uh, you know, the genuine feeling we receive from the Chinese people. You know, we are inundated with sympathizing call from Chinese civilians, people. It's very important. This reflects the genuine nature of the, the human nature of the Chinese people. We highly appreciate it. We really feel touched with that. What do you think this speaks about the um, ever closer relationship between China and Syria? Because over the years, we've noticed that um, Syria joined the BRI. Uh, strategically, the two countries moved uh, closer together and economically and trade-wise uh, is growing too, despite the, the challenges uh, you know, presented by the civil wars in Syria. Uh, in fact, we, uh, it's, uh, it's not civil war. You know, there are terrorists who are fighting the government and the public. You know, even in the terrorist-controlled areas, the people want the government. But, you know, some Western support for these terrorists prevents them from coming to Syria, even to participate in uh, school exams or university exams. Uh, our relation with China is quite very deep. You know, it dates tens of centuries uh, through the Silk Road. Uh, throughout the crisis uh, in Syria, uh, China in fact, we highly appreciate that it used the veto for maybe about eight, nine times against uh, some Western initiative that wanted to target Syria. Uh, the humanitarian assistance that was offered dur during the crisis, whether in telecommunication, transportation, health, especially during the COVID, uh, um, China's generosity has always been there. And uh, China always walked the talk. Ambassador Hadam, when do you think there can be a ceasefire in Syria? There have been a number of uh, the United Nations-led initiatives. The Arab League is also getting involved. Um, what's your uh, forecast or uh, expectations on when there can be a real ceasefire? You know, the issue of uh, there is a ceasefire. And the government issued about 
20 uh, clemencies or uh, decrees to amnesties for people who raised arms uh, against Syria. And the government uh, got uh, resolved almost all in all areas uh, through uh, a negotiated settlement with the with the uh, uh, armed groups, many armed groups gave up their arms and re 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 got re re got reintegrated uh, into the society. The people who didn't want to, uh, and may, they are mainly financed and supported and organized and uh, in fact received their orders, come from uh, the Western countries. They are isolated in, uh, uh, on their own will uh, in Italy where we, you have a lot of uh, international organi terrorist organizations. The, they are recognized as international terrorist organizations by the UN. Nobody, the Syrian government wants to solve everything peacefully and, uh, but you know, there are terrorists you should handle because they are not danger to Syria, they are danger to the world because they are coming from all the countries, from all over the world. The process, is going on. We started rebuilding Syria, in fact, and we were uh, a lot of uh, economic life started uh, returning to normalcy. Uh, uh, farmers could uh, uh, farm their lands. Uh, factories started uh, working back. The industrial zones started receiving investors. And uh, but this calamity, uh, the earthquake, really uh, hurt a lot. Yeah, Mr. Ambassador, I want to come back to this earthquake and its aftermath. Um, we know that uh, freezing temperatures, uh, very cold winter weathers in Syria, coupled with aftershocks over there, uh, and also the situation there. Um, what are the difficulties there, and what is the Syrian government doing uh, to really cope with all these challenges? You know, uh, first of all, the government mobilized all its resources, available resources, and uh, the government and the uh, uh, civilian uh, organization, uh, non-governmental organization, even the, uh, the army is helping, the police force uh, is helping in uh, these uh, regions. Uh, but, you know, during, because of uh, the wars, you know, and the earthquake uh, destroyed a lot of the infrastructure. Even, you know, we uh, stopped the train uh, for uh, two, three days. You know, this adds, uh, in fact, this is double-folded or ten-folded with the, the unilateral, illegal Western sanctions imposed on my country. You know, the uh, Syrian banking system is disconnected from the world. You cannot buy even medicine. Uh, you cannot make transfers for donation. The good news now that we see some uh, uh, airplanes arriving, bringing assistance from Arab countries and some other friendly countries uh, into Syria. This in, in defiance of these uh, Western sanctions. And uh, we hope more countries uh, follow suit. We need these, you know, it's a humanitarian issue. The Syrian people needs this assistance to arrive as soon as possible. The earlier it comes, the more lives that will be saved. We want the sanctions to be lifted. We want the Americans to stop stealing our oil and our food. Syria has suffered for a long time. They, we really wish this earthquake shakes the conscience of these countries that raise the banner of human rights. Yeah, that's really um, intriguing uh, in what you said, that uh, the Western sanctions are uh, you know, imposed by the Western governments are causing havoc not only on 
on the government level, but also on the daily lives of a Syrian. Can you give us some concrete examples, Mr. Ambassador, on you know, the challenges, difficulties? One of the issues, you cannot transfer money to Syria. You cannot make any international trade. You should go into indirect roads. Uh, you are totally disconnected from international financial uh, system. Our ports are under sanctions. Our, air, uh, uh, our airlines, our... Uh, so you cannot make trade. You cannot make... Uh, at the same time, the same people who are imposing this blockade, they are stealing our oil. You know, it's really, really catastrophic. And I don't know how they... they uh, Syria is a third world country, developing country with very limited resources. Uh, well, we were faring well, by the way, before the, the crisis. Syria used to uh, export electricity, uh, pharmaceuticals to 80 countries. Now we are, you know, this is very, in our perception, we are not used to that. We used to offer assistance to, uh, to many countries. Now we are in this situation. We used to export food, now we, we need food. Because the richest country in the world is stealing our oil and uh, food resources. It's very, very, uh, I don't know, a twisted version of human rights. Very strange, you know, what's going on. Im totally immoral. It, they are causing a lot of pain to the... Who is the Syrian government? You know, well, are, the Syrian people are getting hurt from these sanctions. Uh, what, however you twist it and uh, you, you want to cook it, it's, it cannot be understood, you know. Uh, secondly, I wish all the international community to look at Syria and see what the Americans brag for and some Western countries of the uh, rule-based order. This is the rule-based order. This is the outcome of what's going on in Syria. The, this is the, rule the best example. I'm sorry, is this defensible? Uh, how can you promote these, w w doing these uh, pr uh, rule-based order and uh, following these policies in Syria? It's very, very strange, anachronistic, uh, oxymoronic. I don't know how to describe it really. And you expect there to be um, even more um, difficulties and challenges uh, resulting from the Western sanctions in the wake of the earthquake because so much of the relief efforts um, depend on you know, trade, depend on aid from countries. And these Western sanctions are making those aid coming to Syria that much harder. Yeah, exactly. And now people are, you know, it's in, the, the, the aid should arrive immediately, instantly, in fact. You know, people are under the rubble. Yeah, they, and in the severe weather, they can maybe resist one day or a few hours. You know, the sooner these uh, sanctions are lifted or removed, the sooner the uh, aid uh, is received, the more lives will be saved. The sooner the medication, you know, after the earthquake, many people will be hurt, will be wounded, will be need uh, follow-up, medical follow-up. You know, with the limited resources of Syria, uh, these people will be, will be disabled for maybe a lifetime. It's really shameful what's going on. It's really shameful. We call, we, I repeat what my, uh, the appeal of my government to the international community to offer as soon as the assistance needed by the uh, Syrians, the Syrian people. It's the Syrian people that are suffering. Ambassador Haddam, thank you so much for accepting our interview request and uh, our very best wishes 
our thoughts and prayers apparently with the quake victims. Uh, we're hoping for a quick recovery. You are always welcome. Earlier, we also talked to Sivanka Danapala, the UNHCR representative in Syria. Sivanka, um, I hope you and your teams are fine, you know, under the circumstances. Thank you for that. Thank you. We're um, happy to say that all of our staff, uh, just hours after the earthquake, we were able to confirm everyone was, was safe and accounted for. Um, sadly, we can't say the same thing for our colleagues in, uh, in Turkey. Um, there are still a number of colleagues who are, who are missing. Um, tell us what's going on on the ground. What is the latest? Well, thank you very much for, for giving us this opportunity to, to communicate uh, uh, the situation on the ground. Uh, I think I'd like to say how, how deeply saddened we are by, by really the, the devastating earthquake that took place uh, the day before yesterday in the morning. We're all still quite shaken. Um, there have been a number of uh, aftershocks and also other quakes that have taken place since then. Uh, I was uh, literally before going into an interview yesterday evening with the media, uh, I was receiving reports about two quakes that took place in, um, in and around the coastal governorates. Of course, they were less severe than the one on, on Monday morning, but we really have seen uh, a huge uh, amount of damage uh, and, of course, loss of life. Um, uh, we stand very much in solidarity with, with all of those who've been affected by this. Uh, um, but, of course, I think the, what I really need to, to emphasize right at the outset is how this uh, uh, most recent development makes a very, very bad situation much, much worse. It compounds uh, the suffering uh, that the Syrian people have been going through for the last uh, 12 years. Yes, Ivanka, we understand that it is a very complex and complicated situation in northern Syria, the affected area. Um, some part of that area is controlled by some extremists, according to the government. Um, some areas are, in effect, um, controlled by Western-backed forces. Uh, some of the area, of course, are under the government control. Um, how does that division and years of civil war complicate the rescue and relief uh, efforts on the ground? Well, it certainly doesn't help, but I think uh, before I get on to, to that, just to say that whenever an earthquake might take place, it is never a good moment, but this couldn't have happened at a worse time. Uh, we are in the height of winter. Uh, there was literally a snow blizzard uh, uh, passing through uh, Damascus this morning, uh, but we've had a number of the affected areas, of course, covered in snow, very cold temperatures, um, and uh, one has to really, uh, uh, my heart goes out for those who are stuck under rubble, who are, find themselves uh, without shelter uh, in, this, in this very uh, tragic moment. Um, we, uh, uh, working in Damascus, are able to uh, reach uh, areas that are controlled by, by government. Uh, over 70% of the, of the country can be reached uh, from uh, Damascus. Um, the areas to the northwest that have been impacted, I just received reports today uh, that uh, our counterparts in, in government have in fact asked us to accelerate uh, cross-line uh, uh, deliveries of humanitarian assistance, and we will be working uh, towards that. Um, the UN has always advocated um, in the northwest um, uh, that we use all modalities uh, for assistance. 
This includes a cross-border uh, from Turkey, from Gaziantep, uh, but also cross-line from within government-controlled areas into northwestern Syria. Now, the cross-border modality has, of course, been um, significantly impeded because of damage sustained by the earthquake. Uh, so certainly I can say uh, uh, for us, for those of us who are uh, working in government-controlled areas, we're trying our best to now uh, move forward on the cross-line movements. Yeah, we saw the latest uh, casualties. Uh, um, do you expect this number to go up significantly uh, given what's going on and given the um, unfolding of the rescue and relief efforts? Tragically, yes. Uh, I wish I didn't have to say that, um, but uh, I was uh, in communication with the Syrian Arab Red Crescent uh, uh, president just yesterday. I, I know they, the window uh, for search and rescue efforts is, is closing. Um, the time... Uh, That's 72 hours, right? Or close exactly. to that. So we're very close to that window uh, closing, and um, certainly um, uh, they're beyond the, the casualties that might have been caused by the earthquake itself directly, uh, there's a number of uh, uh, indirect casualties, if you like, that could result uh, by simple exposure to the cold. Uh, I was just mentioning we're in the height of winter, um, that, that snow has fallen and is falling in a number of the affected areas. Um, and of course, looking ahead, we also have to uh, uh, ensure that uh, Various health risks are uh, uh, are attended to and are clothed. That they have shelter. Uh, a number of other uh, issues that need attending to to prevent a further loss of life. Yeah, many international organizations, including the Red Cross Society of China and also some volunteer groups in China, has uh, have pledged assistance for the Syrian uh, Red Crescent. How easy or difficult is it? for them to arrive in Syria, given the very limited land and air connections? I can tell you that the, the border crossing between um, the, the one that we generally use between uh, from, from Beirut to Damascus is very much at a high mountain pass, and that is already uh, uh, quite snow-ridden, but passable uh, at uh, the last time I checked. Um, so I think the roads uh, can access certainly Damascus, and from Damascus we can reach into a, a number of the affected areas, um, Aleppo, uh, Hama, Latakia, uh, Idlib, which is in, of course, uh, non-government controlled areas, is, is going to be accessed through cross-line. But as I mentioned earlier, we look at all modalities and the moment cross-border becomes possible, uh, that would be a modality that could also be used. Um, as far as the, the UN is concerned and, and the wider humanitarian community, we, we look at the humanitarian imperative, and really, it's all systems go. We need to help as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. In January, according to UNHCR, 15.3 million people already needed humanitarian aid inside Syria, and there are almost 7 million internally displaced people. Um, how will this disaster, the earthquake, further impact a country already ravaged by war and uh, internal displacement? pre-earthquake, um, you know, the Syrians I've spoken to in the last two years that I have been here uh, have told me that, um, you know, even during the worst days of, of the conflict, when, when bombs were falling, of course, life was bad, life was, was dangerous. 
but it's really these last two, three years that have been uh, had have had the worst impact. And when I asked why, it was very much because of the cumulative impact of, of 12 years of war, the overall economic situation, as you know, even pre-COVID, there was an economic crisis in Lebanon. The economies of Lebanon and Syria are intrinsically linked. Uh, so people were feeling that. And then, of course, two years of COVID and the economic toll that that has exacted uh, on the economy is, is huge. Um, so really putting the earthquake and the impact of the earthquake on top of all of that um, really has, has, has brought many, many Syrians uh, to their knees. And, and it is an extremely difficult period. Um, I call upon the international community to help in any way possible uh, in, in assisting the Syrian uh, people in this situation. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the work of uh, UNHCR in the country? Uh, I suppose that there are so many priorities and conflicting priorities, perhaps. Uh, what is the, the line of work for you right now? Uh, what is really the priority in face of the earthquake? Well, right now, I would say uh, we've been mobilizing uh, for the to, to meet the immediate needs of, of those who have been uh, impacted by the, the earthquake. I mentioned earlier the, the search and rescue operations that are underway and, and really trying to move as quickly as possible because before that, that narrow window uh, closes completely. But beyond that also, uh, and it's not just UNHCR, we're working with a number of other UN agencies, a number of non-governmental organizations, international and national, um, to, to see if we can provide meals ready to eat, uh, including hot meals for, for families that have been displaced. Um, we are looking at uh, uh, provision of what we call core relief items, and that involves a, a number of different uh, items like uh, thermal blankets, uh, like mattresses, uh, like sleeping mats, uh, winter winter garb, winter jackets, winter clothing uh, is, is extremely important. And of course, looking at other items, uh, ensuring that people have a safe drinking water, uh, that they have access to medicine, uh, first aid kits, uh, trauma care, because in fact, uh, this has exacted a heavy toll uh, uh, on people from a mental health point of view. Uh, dignity kits uh, for, for women uh, and girls. Uh, and of course, as I mentioned, you know, given the, the kind of trauma situation uh, uh, and social and, and mental health, I think we are also trying to provide as much psychosocial support as possible. In fact, we're trying to do that for our own staff as well as, as those affected outside of, of, of our uh, organization. Yeah. Sivanka, please take care. Um, kudos to your work and the work of your team. Thank you very much for having me. That will do it for this edition of The Hub on CGTN. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our news coverage continues on CGTN. Bye and take care.